The Imperium is a weak, old man, ready and waiting to be broken apart by his vengeful sons. Welcome back to The Drop Pod, a Warhammer 40k podcast. I'm your host, Garrett, and unfortunately for you, I'm the only one here. You're stuck with just me today. Blake is away doing real-person things. And that quote you just heard was attributed to Huron Blackheart of the Red Corsairs. And this episode is about the Badab War, and some may call it a Genesis story of the Red Corsairs. Before we get into that, I have something that I have been meaning to do for several episodes now. I think we said we're going to do it like three episodes ago. We never did. And that is a 40K quote because it is filled with so many great ones. Uh, So the first 40K quote we have for you is, Innocence proves nothing. Uh, Try to wrap your head around that one. I I really can't, honestly, but it sounds 40K enough for me. Before we get into the Bad Ab War, I have a couple housekeeping things to do. One, uh, on the hobby table, I have still one Imperial Knight that has been staring me down, along with that stupid Terminator Librarian. So annoying. And then next to him is five gray plastic Terminators and one Terminator Chaplain, and one primed white Apothecary Biologist. So yeah, not much getting done in terms of uh, in terms of hobbying. But that's all right. You know, real life, uh, real life, you know, it happens. Holidays are busy. So I am, as far as books go, still reading the last book in the Night Lords trilogy. So far, it's pretty spicy, although it's going to be pretty difficult to top the first book. So that one, as of right now, still reigns supreme as number one uh, as far as quality goes. One last thing. Uh, I know we've talked several times about the new Legions Imperialis game on here, and I just couldn't justify spending the money on it, mostly because I don't have the time and I have some rather ambitious projects going on. The, uh, the Imperial Knights end up taking way longer than I expected because I feel like each one is probably a 40-hour project. But uh, I couldn't justify spending the money myself on the Jews Imperialis, so instead I just asked my wife to get it for me for Christmas. <laughs> it's a nice little workaround there, you see? Nice little life hack. So we'll see what the, we'll see what happens there, but I may have a bunch of tiny new soldiers uh, invading my, my hobby space. I'm planning on doing Imperial Fist. I haven't done anything Imperial Fist before at all. Uh, I think I can knock them out pretty quick. The new Imperial Fist contrast paint from Games Workshop is supposed to be uh, the cat's ass for doing uh, Imperial Fists, as the as it should be. It's named Imperial Fists, so I'm going to be able to smash through that whole box pretty quick. Not much, not very interested in Solar Auxilia. Still on the fence as to whether or not I'm even going to keep them. This is all, of course, pending whether or not I actually get the box. We'll see. I think I will, though. Okay, without further ado, we have the Bad Dab War. I have written the Bad, da- the bad Dad War. Uh, the Bad Dab War is the largest Space Marine versus Space Marine conflict since the Horus Heresy, and really kicked off in 901.M41, so pretty recent, but just long enough ago that the Astral Claws are really not a thing anymore, and you know they're they're not really supported by Games Workshop, and it's more so the Red Corsairs. So this is just early enough, slash late enough, to be sort of out of the current timeline. So obviously we have Red Corsairs, Astral Claws, a bunch of Space Marine chapters make appearances in this war, like, a lot. Uh, the poor Lamenters <laughs> find themselves uh, in a bad place in a bad way, obviously, such as the fate of the Lamenters. So, 
there's this thing called the Maelstrom, and around it is the Maelstrom Zone, believe it or not. Uh, if you don't know what the Maelstrom is, it's sort of like the uh, the budget version of the Eye of Terror. It's like a little bit smaller, not as cool, not as threatening, but uh, it's there all the same. And if you have listened to our book review of the second installment of the Night Lord trilogy, uh, you recognize one place that is within the Maelstrom, that being Hell's Iris, which was sort of the Red Corsair's uh, shipyard by the sounds of it in the book. The Maelstrom lies in the center of the Ultima Segmentum, and is home to a planet called Badab, which is named after, or maybe perhaps the sector is named after it, or it's named after the sector. One of the two. I don't know which came first, the sector or the planet. But Badab, the planet is in the sector called the Badab Sector. Badab is also the homeworld of a renowned space marine chapter known as the Astral Claws, whose chapter master is a man by the name of Luft Huron. Yeah, Luft. L-U-F-G-T. What a name. Luft names himself the governor of Badab. And why stop at just a planet called Badab when you can be the governor of the sector? So he proclaims himself the governor of the sector of Badab. He also gives himself the somewhat suspicious title of the tyrant of Badab. A little bit sus there. Uh, this guy might have a mental illness. Unconfirmed, but nevertheless, he is the tyrant of Badab. You would think this might raise a few flags, and it probably should have. However, at this point in this guy's career, Huron is a decorated Astartes. He is the chapter master of the Astral Claws, and his name is Legendary. He is known throughout the galaxy. His intentions seem quite noble at first. His chapter is, after all, a part of a group of Space Marine chapters known as the Maelstrom Warders. This group of chapters has been permanently assigned to the Maelstrom Zone. It is a problemed area, and they serve there permanently as the protectors of the Imperial assets, including its people, that lie within this area. Huron's plan revolves around a proposed crusade of the Maelstrom Zone, a buildup of local forces in the area, and a collaborated effort to permanently wipe out whatever hostile forces may be there. This would also allow, if it was to be permanently cleansed, uh, maybe the Maelstrom waters would be broken up and stationed in other places throughout the galaxy. Unfortunately, the High Lords of Terror refuse his proposal, because I think at this point, the Maelstrom is not all that dangerous because of how good of a job the Maelstrom Warders are doing. Following the rejection of his proposed crusade, Huron then said, quote, If you want something done right, do it yourself. What he does next should have been uh, perhaps the second strike on the road to damnation. Uh, he begins to withhold his chapter's gene seed tithe to the Mechanicus, and the, the, gene, the gene seed tithe is thought to be a safety measure that allows the Mechanicus to restore nearly or entirely destroyed chapters from their donated gene seed, and it also allows them to monitor the health of the chapter. Uh, they can search for any deviance or mutation uh, in the genetics of the chapter, because we know that sometimes over time, gene seed can mutate or degrade and uh, perhaps cause some un unwanted uh, side effects. Our buddy Luft does not stop there, though. He withholds all other tithes as well, which in most places is just an immediate death sentence. Sometimes it's just like, we're destroying your whole planet and taking everything it's worth. But he somehow gets away with this for 150 years with no censure or investigation. He goes as far as to block all trade in and out of systems, of the local systems. He is hoarding everything he can. He's planning this crusade, and he's going to execute it whether the High Lords of Terror want him to or not. 
Now, hindsight is twenty twenty, but in retrospect, perhaps the Imperium should have looked at the situation and said, okay, we have this self-proclaimed governor of a sector who calls himself the tyrant of Badab, who has now decided he's not paying any Imperial tithes whatsoever in 901.M41. If you remember, this is when the war is said to officially have started. An Imperial tithe fleet arrives in the Badab system. Uh, Carthargans, which is a nearby sector, are responsible for gathering the tithes from the Badab sector. And many of the, their trade ships are in this fleet. They refuse to buoy at the edge of the system and make all speed towards the center. They are fired upon and destroyed entirely. No word gets out from them. Huron claims they threatened him with violence. However, we must keep in mind that history is usually written by the victors, and Huron may be uh, you know, somewhat questionable in his ethics. Over the next two years, the Carthargans uh, dispatch two punitive fleets to Badab. Both disappear without a trace, never to be heard from ever again. Huron calls a conclave with the warders, the Maelstrom warders, the Lamenters and the Mantis warriors, where he drafts with them the Articles of Just Secession. And the article decrees that the warders, using their emperor-given rights as space marines, since they are basically above everybody else, are above the purview and jurisdiction of any of the adjacent sectors and completely, you know, not beholden to pay any sort of tithes to anybody. Uh, it also lays out their intent to continue their service and protection of the Maelstrom Zone. The Carthargans are understandably outraged, and they are barking up every tree they can find. No one will seem to listen to them. Most are reluctant to put themselves in the middle of what appears to be an administratum problem. And if you know the, the power that the administratum wields, you know you don't want to step on any toes there. There is one person, or not one person, one entity that hears their, their call for help, and it is the Firehawks Space Marine Chapter. The Firehawks are sons of Babaji, and they have uh, red armor with yellow flames painted on it. A little bit cringe if you ask me, but here we are. So in 904.M41, the Firehawks begin their investigation into the disappearance of the Carthagin punitive fleets. And their ship, upon entering I believe it's called the Endymion system, called the Red Harbinger, is hailed, ordered to halt, and explain its presence by a Mantis warrior's naval force. It does not comply, and it is subsequently crippled and boarded for the aforementioned non-compliance. The Firehawks aboard the Red Harbinger refuse to surrender themselves to the Mantis warriors, and a firefight erupts. We have loyalist versus loyalist space marines here, a true tragedy. The Firehawks, in response, deploy in full chapter strength to engage the Maelstrom orders. However, the Firehawks are but one chapter. They are outnumbered and outgunned. The Maelstrom orders are three chapters, and they are defending their home turf. So, you know, really just bad decision-making by the Firehawks, to be honest with you. The Firehawks are forced to take a defensive posture when one of their ploys goes sideways entirely. They are forced to call for aid, and another Space Marine chapter arrives. This time, it is the Marines Errant. The Marines Errant are also sons of Gilliman. Their armor is halved vertically, blue on their left, white on their right. It is the inverse of their parent chapter, called the Eagle Warriors. They should also sound familiar to you, if you've been following along with the Night Lords trilogy. They are the Space Marine chapter whose fortress monastery is being raided by Huron Blackheart, a.k.a. the Blood Reaver, in Night Lord's Book 2. When the Marines' errands show up, the first chapter they contact is the Lamenters, 
They are contesting shipping and trade routes with one another. However, the two chapters have honor bonds forged in a recent uh, campaign or something like that. And they're very reluctant to fight one another, much to the ire of their allies in the conflict. Shortly after this, news comes of another chapter entering the fray. This time it is the executioners, and they have a blood oath sworn to the Astral Claws, and they plan on honoring it. The executioners are sons of Dorn, and their armor is silver with a yellow shoulder pad. And I think we're nearing the end of the list of uh, Space Marine chapters that join this conflict with cringe names. So far we have the Firehawks, the uh, Executioners. The Lamenters have a good name. Marines aren't a good name. Okay, yeah, that, that might be it, honestly. We'll see what happens. Later in 904.941, the Astral Claws and the Lamenters really bend over a uh, battle fleet, Cathargo, and a Marine's errant detachment, and nearly entirely destroys the whole the whole fleet. Uh, the Star Jackal of the Marines Errant was the only capital ship to escape. And this also marks the end of the Carthargan involvement. These were just baseline humans, by the way. They're just like a trade organization. And uh, their their resources are entirely spent. They're, they're really just, they're done with this one. Upon a planet called Bellerophon's Fall, the Mantis Warriors engage the Marines Errant. Uh, the Mantis Warriors are largely successful. They're sort of surgically deconstructing the command structure of the, of the Marines Errant. They kill two company captains and the chapter master. Marines Errant, dude, have it rough. Uh, if you recall in Night Lord's Book 2, uh, Huron Blackheart is raiding their fortress monastery, so it seems like this may be the start of a real downhill fall for the Marines Errant. This tragedy forces them into a retreat, obviously. They've been basically decapitated. With Space Marines in open conflict, the High Lords of Terra finally decide that this is worth their, their notice. I can't imagine what else would be, uh, you know, more noticeable than this. But they respond by assembling a task force and dispatching it. This ta- task force consists of uh, some Segmentum Solar Reserves, uh, Envoys from the Inquisition, and Administratum Auditors. That sounds like the IRS is coming after you, followed by the Gestapo and then the Navy showing up. Not great. When this task force arrives, they demand everyone ceases fire and these uh, secessionists surrender for questioning. Uh, the defendant, Mr. Huron, denies this proposal whatsoever, and the task force declares that the secessionist chapter masters are to be arrested and that their rights uh, and resources are forfeit. Now, I think this is a bad decision because. Now the chapter masters really don't have any way out. I think this really secured them as being against or secured their opposition against this task force at the very least. Astartes of the Red Scorpions, the Raptors, the Salamanders, and the Fire Angels are all called in uh, as a retribution force to deal with the secessionists. The Marines Errant and the Firehawks are ordered to stand down for questioning. Uh, They comply. And the trade, the Cathargan trade lords, these poor bastards, are barking up the trees, barking up trees. This is the Imperium, like, in a nutshell here, looking for someone to listen to them. Uh, they're found guilty of multiple crimes. Probably one of them is not reporting this soon enough. And their entire population is sentenced to six generations of indentured servitude. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that sucks. 
We move on to 906.m41. In the beginning of the year, the largest void battle of the war occurs, called the Battle of Silent Reach. Despite being the largest uh, at the time, it is relatively anticlimactic. Very few vessels are destroyed. The most considerable one is the destruction of the Battlefleet Maelstrom flagship. It is an Oberon-class ship called the Gauntlet of Wrath. The Nova Marines arrive on site. They are joined by the Red Scorpions and the Marines Errant in an assault on a planet called Vianaya, Vianaya, something like that. Pretty astounding turn of events here. They are the the Loyalists, the Nova Marines, Red Scorpions, and the Marines Errant are uh, driven off by the Tyrant's Legion forces. And the Tyrant's Legion is basically the PDF that have sworn themselves to left Huron. Uh, they drive off the, the Space Marines, which is pretty impressive, although they do take extreme casualties uh, somewhere in the, the ballpark of 178 to 1. Around the same time, the Executioners finally show up, honoring their blood oath to the Astral Claws. However, with the new influx of other Loyalist Space Marines in opposition uh, to the Secessionists, uh, their, their presence isn't really felt very much. Uh, the Minotaurs, as well, uh, arrive somewhere somewhere this time, and they they help in the assault on Vianaya, 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 something like that. Uh, the Minotaurs are a completely badass chapter. They really specialize in killing other Space Marines. Their chapter master, Asterian Moloch, is a big ass motherfucker and a total badass. Very uh, controversial character. Very secretive. Very mysterious character. Uh, he's said to have died many times, but somehow persists. He's always the same person. Uh, leads to a lot of fan theories considering who he is or in, and how he is able to come back all the time. The defendant, Mr. Huron, uh, decides he's done with this and he wants to parley. He agrees to meet with Commander Ortis of the Firehawks and Chapter Master Sartak of the Mantis Warriors in a rundown uh, way station uh, in orbit of the planet Shadim in the Grief system. And what follows is tragic and it is known as the Betrayal at Grief. And we're not exactly sure what happened, but it seems some sort of chaos uh, attack or attack or ambush occurred. And both the both chapter masters um, of the Firehawks, the Ortis, and the Mantis Warriors, ch uh, chapter master Sartak, are killed by the chaos forces that, that ambushed them. I think this is where Huron's fate is ultimately sealed. There's no way, no amount of explaining he could do to the loyalists to show that he was not trying to decapitate their command structure. A man by the name of Kareb Khan is appointed uh, command of the Red Scorpions, command of the loyalist forces as well. Uh, the Howling Griffins and the Sons of Medusa chapters also show up around the same time. So I have to do a running tally of how many how many loyalists, how many chapters of Space Marines are here now. So I think now there's 14 Space Marine chapters here, loyalists and secessionists included. The Firehawks, who have been ravaged at this point, have been switched to rear guard duty by Commander Calm. And they prove that they're still committed to campaign. They, uh, an attack falls upon the rear guard forces. And the Firehawks emerge victorious over the Lamenters. <laughs> Poor Lamenters, man. And uh, their supply lines are, are still secured. In 907.M41, the battle for Gangriatha III is won by the raptors, salamanders, and fire angels over the astral claws in the mantis warriors. Meanwhile, the marines errant have been taking serious heavy losses in the fighting, and they are forced to withdraw from the campaign. They retire. Uh, 
Firehawk's Tome like this. And at the same time, the rest of the Executioner's chapter shows up. Upon arrival, the Executioner's live up to their name and virtually execute the Howling Griffins. The Howling Griffins are the uh, the famous red and yellow quartered marines. Uh, it's so bad that it is recommended that the Howling Griffins retire from the campaign so as not to be destroyed entirely. Uh, they refuse. However, it's not all sunshine and rainbows for the secessionists. The Mantis warriors are forced to invade some of their own territory to halt an orc invasion. And meanwhile, the Astral Claws have to deal with demon-worshipping cults that spring up all over their own territory. Is this some uh, portent, some omen, maybe some foreshadowing of what's to come? Uh, perhaps. Lastly, the Minotaurs uh, do good and savage work, as they are known for. They destroy the entire Tyrant's Legion, stationed at a place called Cairo, which I could not figure out if that was a planet or like an orbital station or what. There is very little record of that at all. The Minotaurs are noted for fighting with unmatched savagery and, and butchery. Uh, that is, until later on when the Carcharodons arrive. In 908.m41, an Astral Claw apothecary is captured and interrogated. I would really hate to know what it takes to get uh, uh, an Astral Claw apothecary, a Space Marine apothecary, to talk. But they get him to, and he reveals that he is actually a Tiger Claw Marine. Yep, more cringe names for Space Marine chapters. And the Tiger Claws are an Astral Claws uh, successor chapter of the uh, Cursed Founding. He tells them that Huron has been hiding some of the remaining Tiger Claws within the ranks of the Astral Claws, withholding the Gene Seed tithes and growing his chapter outside the norms of Codex compliance. The Astral Claws have far too many Marines. And this explains why they keep taking losses without losing any real fighting capability. On top of that, Huron plans to remake the Tire Claws chapter. I'm assuming this is all wrapped into, I'm going to grow my chapter secretly and remake this Tire Claws chapter and everyone in it will basically be subservient to me because I'm responsible for the creation of, you know, the Tire Claws while simultaneously being the Astral Claws chapter. Sort of a, a power move, if you will. Um... But he's trying to pull it off without really raising any red flags, which he's obviously failed to do. Next, a world named Signax, Kignax, something like that, uh, becomes a place of contention. The Astral Claws have been led to a buried weapons cache by something called heretic scavengers. They are not uh, actual heretics. Well, they might be, but they're mechanicus. They're sort of deviant called mechanicus people. Uh, the Loyalist chapters learn of this, and they move to intercept, and an intense battle follows. Uh, it's hard fought, but the Astral Claws eventually uh, are forced to relinquish the planet to the Loyalists, but not before virus bombing it. And in the virus bombing and the action taken on Signax, the Fire Angels take heavy losses, but they do ultimately capture it. Um, this secures the area between the Badab Sector and the Endymion Cluster, which is the place that the Mantis Warriors are in. So now the Mantis Warriors are entirely cut off from Badab and unable to support the Astral Claws. Following this, the Nova Marines, Raptors, and Howling Griffins are released from service uh, in the conflict. And there's a couple conflicting reports as to why this is. Some files state that uh, it was to combat a building wah in a different region of space, of space. And another one says that the Inquisition did not view those chapters as the trustworthy or ones unflinching enough in their duty of, you know, killing loyalist space marines. 
the salamanders were meant to join them uh, in their sort of release from duty. However, you know, first founding marine chapters really carry a different air of authority to them, and they just refuse the reassignment. And I guess the Inquisition is just like, okay, yeah, all right, we'll we'll take that. Uh, the Minotaurs, on the other hand, are more than happy to kill space marines, as it turns out. They track down the Lamenters' battle barge called the the Mater Lacrimarum and ambush it in a uh, close quarters naval action. There's multiple boarding actions, and uh, the, at the end of the battle, the, the Lamenters are forced to surrender, and this is there's about 300 uh, marines remaining in the entire chapter, most of which are terribly wounded. This battle is... Uh, shortly followed after by another hard L for the secessionists. The Red Scorpions and the Salamanders, thank God they didn't leave, destroy a supply cache uh, on a forge world called Angstrom and sort of ensure that the Astral Claws would not be receiving any more supplies from this forge world. That brings us to 909.M41. And it was kind of a slow year in terms of war. It was a year of uh, regrouping and perhaps reevaluation. The Lamenters are officially out of the war and the Astral Claws have been driven back to their home system. They cannot receive support from the Mantis Warriors anymore. Uh, the Loyalists are forced to deal with a rising Waw, same one in the Endymion Cluster that the Mantis Warriors were facing. And the Mantis Warriors exploit this fact by dealing even more death to the already beaten-down Fire Angels. You know, those ones that were virus-bombed? They're now dealing They're dealing with the Waw, and then the, the uh, Mantis Warriors show up and kill more of them. It is now 910.m41, and the Carcharodons arrive in full force. Uh, the the Carcharodons are very interesting. They're a very mysterious chapter. They don't seem to involve themselves within the interior of the Imperium. Uh, but when they do, it's often very bloody and not the greatest things. It's, it's in dire, dire times. And they pledge themselves to, to the Loyalists, and Calm, Commander Calm, the Red Scorpions task them with the subjugation of the worlds within the Endymion's Cluster, which is, once again, the Mantis Warrior territory. The Carcharodons were truly made for this. They revel in this duty, uh, slaughtering entire populations and leaving the surface of some worlds uh, under a thick coat of ash, destroying everything, which seems a little counterproductive. I think a lot of these people were probably already basically indentured servants to Huron, and now they're being, I guess, punished for that because even though they didn't have a choice. I, I don't know. Now the Carcharodons show up and kill all the poor bastards. Uh, tough day. Tough day to be a citizen of the Imperium, as are most days. Uh, the Carcharodons eventually, you know, raise such a havoc. The uh, the Mantis Warriors are forced to engage them. Uh, the Mantis Warriors, probably on an equal footing, would not be able to deal with the Carcharodons. However, the Mantis Warriors have been fighting for, you know, a war for years now. And dealing with a law that is occurring in their sector or in the uh, in their cluster, and uh, they're forced to surrender under the the onslaught of the Carcharodons. Shortly after that, the Fire Angels withdraw from the engagement. They are beaten down, battered, broken, and most of all disgusted by the way uh, the Carcharodons wage war and the things that they have done to these worlds. That brings us to the final battle, the fall of Bedab. It takes place on Badab itself. The Astral Claws have been driven back to their home world. And it takes place uh, in the fortress known as the Palace of Thorns. Strangely enough, there is all of a sudden yet another new chapter here. The Star Phantoms. And the assault is carried out mostly by them. And because the fortress is nigh impregnable from the ground, they decide to uh, carry this assault out via Drop Pod and Thunderhawks. A little over 500 uh, Marines of the Star Phantoms, out of the 700 deployed, 
successfully land on or inside the fortress. Meanwhile, the fleets of both chapters battle in the skies above. A bitter close quarters engagement uh, occurs immediately after this, as you can imagine, when 500 space marines uh, <laughs> land inside the fortress of another space marine chapter. It's not great. That uh, is a battle of various ambushes. Obviously, the Astral Claws know this place inside and out. Uh, there's, you know, spearhead thrusts from various Terminators. It's it's a crazy battle. Things things go absolutely haywire. Bad time for, for all involved. Some uh, Star Phantom Marines, armed with melta bombs and special demolition charges, manage to gain access to the sewer networks, which in turn gets them access to the Generatorum. Uh, there they destroy the power generators fueling the palace defenses and the guns uh, assume, <laughs> presumably bristling the, the walls and all over the place uh, fall silent. It is now that the, that the air defenses are down. Legions of Ordo Hereticus stormtroopers join the Star Phantoms on the ground and this puts the Astral Claws into a full retreat. Finally, one Captain Androcles of the Star Phantoms confronts Huron and shoots him like point blank I think or pretty pretty damn close point blank with a combi melta not a, not a great thing for you if you're getting hit with a, with a combi melta kind of like a, a microwave being fired at you uh, this almost obliterates Huron he is critically wounded and whatever astral claws remain turn to flight when they see that their chapter master is you know half molten slag and the other half is somehow still upright they turn to flight and they escape through a series of booby traps that I, I'm assuming were set up only to slow their, uh, slow their pursuers and allow them to escape. They flee into the Maelstrom. In the Maelstrom, Huron makes a full recovery and the Badab War is considered concluded. The Astral Claws are basically destroyed or no longer engageable within the Maelstrom. Again, it's sort of like the Eye of Terror, but only smaller. Huron renames his chapter to the Red Corsairs, and they slowly sort of slip into the grips of chaos and sort of embrace it entirely. They now accept Marines from other traitor legions uh, and create their own um, sort of awful abominations. They're the second largest chaos warband, second only to the Black Legion. Huron Blackheart uh, commands an immense number of Marines now. I don't think I mentioned it in the Night Lord's Book 2 review, but he is in constant pain from this melta injury that he took from this Captain Androcles of the Star Phantoms. He has a bunch of augmetics and replacements that need constant attention. Uh, Variel of Now the Night Lords was basically his, not his personal attendant, but would work on him all the time to ensure that all of his things were working properly. And it said that he was just in constant agony. So that wraps up the, the Bad Ab War. That was obviously a pretty brief overview when I don't have someone to sort of bounce ideas off of. Things go much quicker. You know, there's not, there's not much banter happening here. So we covered a lot of things. Uh, we get, we're going to have to delve into some of this a lot more uh, when, when we get the chance. There's obviously a literal never-ending uh, supply of things to talk about. So uh, I have one last thing to say, and that is that uh, we have probably, what, four, three more episodes after this one where I can continue to beg and plead you someone to make a, let's see, artwork for a thumbnail for our Instagram page and, uh, you know, the thumbnail that appears when you look at the the podcast on whatever app you listen, listen to podcasts to, that and some intro music because I'm too much of a cheap bastard and I don't know how to 
make music. I mean, that's completely foreign to me entirely. I have no clue how to do it whatsoever. No inclination at all. Uh, so if you do and we end up using it, you can submit it uh, to us at oh our Gmail, which is in the episode description. I don't remember it off the top of my head. However, if you do and we do end up using it, we will give you a $25 gift certificate to Games Workshop. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever entries come our way, if any at all. As always, we're always open to recommendations, whatever you know you guys want to hear. We want to make what you like to hear, but also you know something that we would like to talk about. I was a little hesitant to do the Bad Ab War, mostly because I think a lot of people already know it. But if you don't, if you are new to the setting, this would have been a, a pretty good general co- uh, summary of, of what occurred. So if you have anything that you are really jonesing to hear about or have us delve into more, uh, I'd love to hear it again. You can uh, find us on Instagram or you can shoot us an email. All that stuff is in the episode description. Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.